Welcome to the second episode of the Western Focus podcast on the No Rival Network. I'm Steven Meister, and with me is my co-host, Blue. Today, we will be talking about the LCS in roughly the same amount of time as their plane rides back to LA from Worlds were. This year, rosters are not the only major difference in the LCS. First off, with that is a notable format change. With the LEC, it was a bit more of a bigger scale, but now we have a potential time slot change for the LCS. Instead of going to be on Saturdays and Sundays, it might be moving to Wednesday and Thursday during the week. Now, it's not confirmed whether or not this will be happening by Riot yet, but there was rumors going around, I think, not too long after Worlds ended. So, Bean, what do you think about that potential change? Yeah, I mean, I agree it's been rumors for now, I think, but the rumor initially was that it was supposedly to make room for like the new Valorant tournament. I don't know. It seems that the perspective might have shifted a bit. To me, it seems like it's probably just something to that works best in the interest of Riot themselves, like a business move. Whereas for the viewers themselves, it might be kind of a net neutral move. So some might see it as an inconvenience. They would have booked off like their Friday night or whatever to watch it, and then their uh, Saturday. With the with this new change, uh, some other people might benefit from it in the sense that they're going to be able to have it during background noise for school or work time. So I think it's kind of a net neutral and it'll just benefit Riot in the end. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if it really does happen with the Valorant franchising and if that is the big motivation behind it. Pretty clearly, if that's the case, then they're definitely going to be making a bigger shift to Valorant and making that the bigger esport of the two now in terms of the viewing experience but yeah i think it'll probably end up being neutral it's nice to kind of have it on the weekend you don't have to worry about anything going into like saturday into sunday for school or homework or stuff like that so it's nice to have it on the weekends it kind of makes more sense with you know sports on the weekend prime time event more people can watch it so i think it'll be okay going to wednesday to thursday too probably a neutral overall i I would tend to agree yeah tough to say for sure really so the next big topic i think this is actually a really nice change and it's a big change as well the league is going to be scrapping the normal academy and proving ground system from last year and they're going to be in its place replacing it with the north american challengers league or the, the nacl or assault league as some will be calling it so in case you haven't heard about it, it's going to be consisting of the 10 academy teams from the normal LCS organizations. But in addition to that, they're going to be adding on six what they're calling provisional teams. So those are some combination usually of just amateur teams. The first six have been handpicked by Riot. There's three that are represented by LCS organizations still, and then there's three that aren't. I don't remember them off the top of my head. Uh, right now, but I think the LCS ones are TL, CLG, and FlyQuest, and I don't remember the other three provisional ones. But in terms of the format, it's going to be running along with the spring and summer splits of LCS, just like normal. Playoffs are going to be for both. One interesting change, though, is that the matches are actually going to be best of two. They're not best of one. It's like, so that'll be kind of nice, maybe gives some more of those players some opportunity to grow. And they also are making it a promotion and relegation system for the provisional team specifically. The academy teams will not allow to get relegated, even though I think that'd be kind of interesting. It's just not really practical, unfortunately. That'd be kind of cool though. But the worst four of the six provisional teams will end up matching up against top four provisional teams from a series of qualifiers that will be happening during the spring and summer splits respectively. 
that'll go into a double elimination bracket to decide between those four worst teams that were originally in the Challengers League and the four teams from the qualifiers who made it there. The top four from those, or I should say from that double elimination bracket, will get into the next split for the Challengers League. So like I said, I think it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. And one additional detail that I find interesting is there's this new notification of interest system they announced where the LCS teams in like the major bracket, so your usual TL, TSM, C9, those kinds of teams, they can kind of make an announcement that they're interested in a certain player or a provisional player, potentially buy them out of that organization and bring them up into the LCS. So I think that serves as an additional layer of motivation to for these players to improve themselves, demonstrate their talent, and potentially make it into the big leagues. Yeah, it's actually, that's actually a pretty good thing, I think. I didn't really consider that too much, but it would be it will be nice to have those teams be able to... I think it's public too, right? That they have it on the the contract database. So I think even maybe we could see it too, just as regular people if we can find it. So Yeah, exactly. I think it's yeah. cool just in the sense of offering that opportunity because in the end, we do want to promote our own local talent. Yep, I agree. So... We'll see how that goes. I'm excited for it still. It'll definitely be a bit more interesting to watch because it's not just the Academy teams. I watched some games from Proving Grounds, I think it was, last year, and like looking at some of the players that we'll be talking about. There was a couple of games I was watching. I ended up watching a match. I think it was 100 Thieves Academy versus an amateur team. And it was actually a pretty tight game. I looked at the series overall. I, I think the amateur team actually won. I can't remember for sure. But it was a tight series. So there's definitely amateur talent out there that can go toe-for-toe toe with the academy guys. It's just a matter of actually getting them you know, the opportunity to show themselves. So this is definitely something that can help them with that. And hopefully you know, maybe we can get some more series like that and some new talent coming their way, finding their way into the league. Yep, for sure. So now the last topic before we'll be diving into the main meat of the episode, talking about the new roster changes going into the spring split, will be the salaries kind of going hand in hand with that. It's no secret that salaries have dropped in the LCS. That's what's been talked about by organization owners. It's been talked about by media people like Travis Gafford and stuff like that. Salaries are going down. I don't know how big of an impact it actually had because it looks like that a lot of the common names are still around guys like jensen who they got dropped off of a team rebounded with c9 the only thing that maybe could be interesting that i notice is some of the imports coming in aren't all big names but then you look at guys like piosha coming into the league and it's like huh so like they gotta still be getting paid a ton of money so maybe it's just they couldn't afford to put as much money over the entire roster you just had to focus it a little bit more yeah, I'm kind of along the same lines of thinking that you are actually, where looking at the league as a holistic thing, it seems like not a lot has changed. Like you even got double lift coming back at a retirement, which you'd imagine should command a pretty good salary. But yeah, it's 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 really tough to say whether that's actually made a difference. Like maybe it's just in the end going to save the orgs a bit of money. But realistically speaking, really the only change is kind of, as you mentioned, the fact that there's less big import names. So in the past, you would have seen like a few from the LEC, a few from the LCK, a few from the LPL. Now all we've really got is Prince and Pioshik. Everyone else seems to be either from like a Turkey or a Oceania even or whatever it is. So tough to say. 
Well, yeah, I mean, you made a great point with Bubblelift. Like, there's no way he's giving up all that streaming money unless he got paid a good salary or there's Absolutely something in there. Absolutely not. Yeah, it's like there's got to be something in there with incentives or just a big base salary or something like that. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if an organization like 100 Thieves is still capable of doling out big money. Because you looked at Team Liquid, we'll get into their roster more specifically, but they made in a couple of big imports. 100 Thieves brought back in Doublelift. So it's clearly still there in some extent, but maybe just not quite as big uh, names that you'd be expecting more consistently from some of the top teams. One other thing I do want to say is that I think that the salaries declining combined with the North American Challengers League can actually maybe kind of improve the effects that it might have on the region early on. Because if salaries really did drop and they're finally starting to put more of an emphasis on finding North American talent and have them in this sort of pro landscape with academy teams in there, I think that could actually probably make a good impact on that system if the salaries actually do stay low and it's not just like for a split or two. All right. So with all of the... I guess preliminary stuff out of the way, we will be going into probably what everyone wants to hear and be talking about. The new rosters going into the spring split. A lot of shakeups across all 10 teams, some bigger than others. Some are kind of disappointing. We're looking at UTSM, but (laughs) nonetheless, it's going to be a lot of fun. I actually think that this is going to be the most competitive year, not just in the LCS, but probably in Europe as well. I was looking at the LEC stuff uh, from the last episode we did, and I I was looking at power rankings, trying to come up with my own. I'm just like, man, like there's four teams that I feel really good about in both leagues that can contest for a title. Definitely agreed. I, I want to see these regions do well. Hopefully that depression when international tournaments come around isn't quite that level of severe this time around. So the first team that we will be talking about is the reigning, defending, undisputed champions of the North American region, Cloud9. Not a lot of changes coming into their roster, at least for the players. Only one change. Jensen is off the team after finally winning a title with them last year in summer. And Diplex is going to be coming in from, I believe it was the LFL, with Vitality B. I know they've made some coaching staff changes. Max Waldo is no longer the head coach for C9. That has been He has been replaced by Miffy. And I believe Max has moved into more of a positional coach. Co- But yeah, so obviously the big point talking about with this team is going to be Diplex. He looked pretty good with that team. I watched a good bit of his VODs. I liked him. He looked really good. He has seemingly a decent enough size of a champion pool. He played a lot of the meta stuff obviously really well. And I think the biggest thing with Diplex coming in is that he's going to have a lot more room to grow than Jensen does. Now, Jensen, we know, was a really good player. He's been in the league for a long time, started off with C9, went to Team Liquid. He's won some titles with Team Liquid. He finally got one with C9. But especially if you were watching him on the international stage, like he just doesn't stack up to the international mid laners that you would want. You watched him play in groups, and while I don't necessarily think he was the biggest problem with the team, he still couldn't put in quality performances that you probably would have expected him to do at least some of the time. And I'm not saying that Diplex is going to be as good as Jensen right away. Probably not. There's a lot of room to grow there. 
And since he's so young, he's finally getting his break into a major league. I'm really excited to see what he can do. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of potential there as well. We're looking at his history. He's been fairly consistently top three in the LFL. And in the latest cup, I guess you could say the Coupe de France, 3-0 against LDLC with Vitality. They themselves are a pretty strong team. So I think there, there definitely is a lot of potential. And C9 has that room to grow, as you said. Whereas Jensen is kind of an older player, so he's kind of got his habits. But then for me, the other player to kind of keep an eye on is Ven for sure, where he used to be an AD carry, now he's shifted into support. And I'm very curious to see how he's going to adapt now, because the meta for the summer when he did win the title was Enchanter supports, which in his words, not mine, were really easy champions to play. Took little skill, apparently. Yumi, Lulu, whatever it is. I don't know. His thoughts, not mine. But I think that, generally speaking, enchanters do need to like position further back, so that kind of fits in the style of an ADC, so maybe there's a bit of transferable skill there. But I'm very curious, as the meta develops, and potentially you might see more of Nautilus or Thresh or these engage-type supports, whether he can match up to the other supports within the league and still stay in the form that he seemed to be when they won the title. Yeah, it's going to be nice that he'll finally have, you know, a full off season to be able to prepare on those champions and, and diversify that champion pool. It's still early, so I don't think we really are going to have a good view of the meta for spring, you know, until probably actually the season starts. I don't know what patch they would actually play on. I doubt it's going to be like 13.1, but we'll have to wait a bit still to actually see what that meta will kind of form into, but... I hope that at least with that full off season to prepare and not just work on the champion pool, but still get better with Berserker, who is probably the best AD carry in the league still. That can really be a dynamic bot lane if Zven does improve like you would hope for him to. He's obviously an older guy, so you wouldn't expect an improvement if he was still an ADC. You're Kind of what you're saying with Jensen, he's going to be more set in his ways, but in a new role, there's going to be a ton for him to learn still, so he can still improve massively in that role despite being a veteran and he's a guy who's been around in the lec and lcs for a long time now now the other guy that i do want to mention on c9 is actually their academy mid laner mns he's a guy that he's been rumored for a long time to have a bad reputation he's known to be pretty toxic allegations that he's into games even on stage at one point that's just allegations i'm not saying that but the, the reputation around this guy is not good in terms of like a, a teammate like a personable teammate but on the flip side of that same token all those same people who say those things about him being a bad teammate say that he is such a good actual player of the game his potential in terms of just being a player a mid laner is much, much higher than what Diplex is. So an interesting thing that could happen there, maybe Diplex is slow out of the gate, and maybe MNS starts doing good in Academy. He's meshing along with those guys down there. I don't know if it would happen during spring, like in terms of a replacement, but MNS is definitely a guy to watch from the Academy team to maybe come up and replace Diplex if C9 can fix him or whatever you want to call it. We're going to take a ride all the way down the standings to TSM now, TSM did not have as great of an offseason as many other fans are probably hoping that it would be. Their new roster is going to be Solo in the top lane, Boogie in the jungle coming over from the LLA. 
Maple still in mid lane, and then Neo and Shine in the bot lane. Not a lot to really get excited about with this TSM roster. I think outside of Boogie, I watched a lot of his games in the LLA. He was on Team Estral there, and he smurfed it. Dude was super, super good, mainly focused on the Bruiser-style champions like Vi and Wukong and Jin. Jin Zhao. He had a decent number of Diego games as well. And if you watch the games, you look at his score lines on something like Leaguepedia, dude went crazy. He really has a good shot of being the bright spot on this team and kind of carrying on this new kind of star junglers that TSM has had with Spika recently. He definitely could step into that role, and I really hope he does, not just for the sake of TSM, but for the league as well, because if he sucks, I don't see a lot of bright spots on this roster. Yeah, to me, TSM still a meme team. Reggie's still going to take a while to sell his house. We'll see whether that ends up happening. But I don't know. You've got returners in solo Maple Chime. They didn't really look that great. Maple was okay, but not nearly the star he was with PSG Talon. Neo, he's basically just another pickup that was dropped from a weekend A team dig to Dig Academy and now to TSM. I don't know. Like, really, I agree with you that Boogie is the potential guy to bring them up. I don't know if one person can make that big of a difference on a single team. Oh, yeah. They're definitely not going to be able to do anything with Boogie. But, like, I I hope that at the very least he does still perform good and that he will be a fun guy to watch. Because, like, you, you know what you're getting out of Solo. You know what you're getting out of Maple and Neo. Chime showed maybe a little bit of promise. Last year, he's he had like a couple of decent games here and there, but the only guy I'm really interested in watching is Boogie, and they're probably just gonna be pretty bad, and that sucks for TSM. I know some people, you know, are are on the the TSM hate train. They don't like Reggie a lot. They've been a storied franchise in the league for a long time, so it kind of does suck for them that they are gonna be starting to be a consistently bottom tier team now. Yeah, for sure. Okay, next up on the docket. Another one of the favorites that I would say in the league now, Team Liquid. The full Korean roster is coming in to full effect. They will be rolling with a roster of Summit in the top lane, formerly of FPX for a brief period of time last year, formerly C9 in the LCS, Pioshik in the jungle, Harry and Yeon coming up from their academy team to play mid and AD carry, and then Core JJ sticking around in support. So obviously the big discussion with this team, we saw C9 try to go for, it wasn't even a full Korean roster last year, but they had the Korean influences in spring with Summit. They brought in Winsome Botlane, they brought in LS to coach, they brought over Berserker. Now this is basically taking that and like TL's actually committing to this. They're going to have a full Korean speaking roster. I think the coach is Marin, right? I'm pretty it's sure it's Someone Marin. from the LCK, but I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Okay, I'm 99% sure it's Marin, but I digress anyways. The full Korean-speaking team is actually going to be happening. And I think it's going to be probably pretty good. I mean, you look at the names they got and just Summit, Pyoshi, Core JJ, that is a formidable three. Harry and Yan are obviously going to be the question marks coming up from Academy, but what do you think about Team Liquid? Yeah, I mean, at face value, to me, this screams the Korean edition of LMQ except it fits the import rules. I don't know. Maybe they come in, maybe they dominate, maybe they fail. I don't know for sure. It's really hard to peg the strength of this team. For me, Pioshik literally comes off of world champions. Summit, he was great in C9 till his post-LS depression hit. 
Then he came back into form with FPX, arguably the best performer on that team for me throughout the LPL playoffs. Their their run was cut short by EDG. Kind of sad there. And then Jan, you've got a very young, not fully developed AD carry there from TL Academy. He showed promise at least in the 2022 lock-in when he was covering for Hansama when Korjj had that green card issue. I think he was pretty good there. Korjj, you've got the literal goat. He's been performing super great. Maybe a shaky split last split. To me, he seems kind of to the effect of Kaiser and EU where he's not really built for the Enchanter meta. He wants more ownership of playmaking and engaging and that kind of thing. So if the meta shifts better, I think he should come back to form. Overall, potentially very strong looking team. I don't know if the comms might even be in Korean. That'll be interesting. Yeah, I think it's definitely has the potential to be decently volatile. Because like even with Pioshek, you know, winning Worlds, he had some falling out with, with DRX. He wasn't always starting in the summer split in the LCK. They had their I guess it would be Challengers League Jungler come in, the Academy equivalent in, in Korea. He started a decent bit uh, in LCK. I think he even started in the play-in a couple times. So it wasn't a fully clean ride for Pioshik over there. Obviously, coming to North America, he's probably going to smurf it. Like, let's just be honest, right? But in his regional league in Korea, there was still some, some tension there. And then Harry and Jan, like I said, probably pretty big question marks. Watching them play... Out of the three TLA guys who got promoted from there to the LCS this year, I definitely was the least confident about those two guys, Harry more specifically. It's not that I thought he was bad. I just feel like he was the worst of the three of them. They were all obviously really good in Academy. They they won Academy pretty convincingly. I think if there's a guy out of those three to likely struggle the most, it would be him. I think there's enough talent there to help balance out some of these these learning curves that Harry and Jan might go through, especially with Jan working with Core. Like that's definitely going to be a huge boost to a guy who looked, like you said, pretty decent in the couple of lock-in games that he played with Ayla. They weren't quite ready yet then, but having a full year to grow in Academy, I definitely think that there's potential for him to do well. I think though that it could be that it could just be a more topside focused uh, playstyle with this team. Pioshik and Summit are two very capable carry players. You might want to have Core JJ stick with Jan, maybe to survive the lane against some of the better duos in the league. Like maybe against, you know, a, a duo like Berserker and Zven, that might be more helpful. There's going to be a good bit of bot lane duos that we'll talk about later that they might want to do that with. But against the bottom teams, especially, you can move Core JJ around the map. Have him and Pioshik help out Summit top lane, or have uh, Summit, if you want to tunnel it onto Pioshik, you know, dive top lane, but let Pioshik get the kills. Both of those guys can carry. You don't need to put that pressure on Harry and Jan. So I really like what this team can be. The only real downside, I think, is that if Harry and Jan really struggle, which I don't see happening, or maybe there's just like some acclimatization issues with like Pioshik coming over and just being new to NA, or maybe Summit gets exposed again like he was in playoffs, but. I don't see uh, a too big of a downside to this roster because I think with this full Korean speaking idea, I'd like to think that it would work out better than what C9 did with this kind of mixture of it and it kind of fell through. Yeah, to me, just a question mark. Hard to pin them down. Evil Geniuses now, 
a team that definitely had a lot of hype last year. They won the spring split last year. Everyone loved Danny. Everyone loved JoJo. It was a very, very fun team. We all know what happened with Danny, unfortunately. Had uh, some mental health issues towards the end of summer going into Worlds. We hope you get well soon, Danny. Take your time to, to figure all that out. Be with your family. Rest up. We'd love to see you back in the LCS again soon. But in the meantime, they now have a slightly new roster of their own. They swapped out Impact for Sunday in the top lane. And then FBI going to be replacing Danny slash Kauri from last year as the ADC inspired Jojo Pune and Vulcan sticking around. Overall, it's honestly probably a downgrade and it's kind of harsh. I think it's mainly just because of FBI. I don't think, I think he's good. Like, let me, let me preface that first. I think he's good. But when you're coming from Danny, who was fighting for recognition as one of the best ADCs in the league last year, and that even Kauri did pretty decent with them in the back half of playoffs and in the play-in stages, I think that's just going to be the biggest downgrade there. Someday for Impact is going to be pretty cool. Again, one of the teams that I was thinking maybe there's more of like a topside inclination. Maybe you really try to get Someday going, and then you don't have to put a ton of pressure on FBI if you don't want to, and then you can still obviously work around with JoJo. I think they're a fine team, but I don't know if I see them having a super great shot of winning a title this uh, spring split. Yeah, to me, it's I'm in a similar boat where it's hard to say that this team should be on the same level quite as much, but I think realistically speaking, FBI is the best thing they could have gotten, where C9 definitely wasn't going to part ways with Berserker, and when you're losing Danny, I think that FBI was basically the best they could do out of the pool of ADCs that was already in the LCS. Now, to me, it's really depressing to see Danny go. To me, I think he was the next double lift, or I don't want to put him down that under that label, but you know what I mean. And yeah, personally, next my great ADC. Yeah, my personal favorite NA player. So I really hope he comes back in the future, but obviously, no pressure on that. And then with Someday, I think it's a similar story where I don't know if Impact chose to leave or if the roster decided to move in a different direction. But again, C9 wasn't going to get rid of Fudge, so Someday is the best they probably could have realistically done. Maybe they're not going to be on that same level, but I think they're still at least in contention for a title to me. So do, again, so we, we don't know all of the, in, the inner workings of these teams and the LCS organizations as a whole, but if you were evil geniuses, and obviously going back, I think to, it was even last year with like, you know, rumors, oh, should, should they bring in Jensen? Should they bring in Doublelift? Right now, would you rather have them brought in Doublelift or are you cool with FBI being in there? I think Doublelift would have been hard because he's been retired, quote unquote, for a year. Or was it even longer? I'm not sure. It was about a year, maybe two. Yeah, roughly. Yeah, and in that time, he's probably still pretty good. I don't imagine he's decreased that much. But when you're not in that high-intensity practice environment as much, there's definitely going to be at least a little bit of a uh, decline. There was a risk in getting double lift, but FBI is kind of the more stable you know what you're getting. Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Um, I, I think I personally, if I was EG, I might have taken the risk on Doublelift. Just because 
you know, it, it's weird to say like upside for a player who you know he's been around for so long, but the upside of double lift coming back, if he is somewhat close to, to prime double lift still, like that is a much better roster than with FBI on it. And I don't feel like the, the potential low of double lift coming off of not playing pro in X amount of years versus like FBI at his worst. I still feel like that that would be a similar caliber player. So again, don't know what was going on with Evil Geniuses and their thought process on who to bring in. They might have just not have wanted to take the risk on Double Lift. Maybe they didn't even consider bringing him on. We don't know. I, if I was in there, I would have probably went after Double Lift. I think the upside is there. And with FBI, I feel like the floor is lower and I don't even feel like there's a higher ceiling. So that's just my opinion on it. I feel like that it's still a good roster. I don't quite see the highs for them to be able to win, basically, unless a lot of stuff goes wrong with the teams that I think are better than them. Yeah, I can see that. All right, so next up will be Immortals. Not uh, a ton of change on the top side of the map for this team. Revenge and Ken be sticking around. A Blaze Olive in there at mid lane for Power of Evil from last year, and then a new look bot lane, Tactical sticking around in the LCS will make a return here and then Fleshy coming in from the Turkish leagues he will be their new support Bean I know you had some more thoughts on Immortal so I'll let you take the lead on this one yeah so at face value I do think that this team will probably still be around bottom of the barrel hard to say for sure but I think that when compared to something like TSM there's more potential that I can see at least where a Blaze Olive is a pretty good pickup, I think, all things considered. Possibly one of the better members of Golden Guardians for a while while he was on that roster. Sadly for him, though, going to Immortals probably isn't that much an upgrade, but I digress. And then with Tactical, I see people defending him, but he was by far the weakest on TL. Pretty unremarkable on TSM. And so at a certain point in time, after so many years, to me, the potential just isn't being reached. The bad outweighs that. But then when you look at someone like Fleshy, who's only been pro for about a year in the TCL, with his team Nasser, I saw he went on a 16-game win streak in the second half of summer, which is pretty crazy. And then they unfortunately lost the first round of playoffs 3-2, which I didn't see the series myself, so it's hard to tell for sure. Potentially a bit of unluckiness there. And then with Revenge, unlike Tactical, I think this guy still has big potential. He hasn't been around quite as long he tends to be that kind of carry oriented player where he's got pretty good mechanics i think and he has had his really good moments against the best of the best in the lcs my clear identifiable weakness for him though is that he can't really control his aggression i think where he might see a window and then he might over invest in there engage too far under a turret or whatever it is and then that might lose him the game to me overall holistically speaking if they were to say buyout unforgiven since he's only going to be with 100 Thieves Academy. If Double Lift pans out for them, they stick with him, then potentially Immortals buys out Unforgiven, gets a real ADC in that sense, then this might actually be a pretty decent team, where my confidence might not be high for them to win a title, but at least it'll be a stepping stone for them to stop being 9th, 10th so consistently. Yeah, I think the the thing that I noticed like somewhat quickly with quickly with this team is you look at the four 
main players. Revenge, Kenvi, Olive, and, and Tactical. A lot of those guys at their champion pools, obviously, you know, Tactical is an AD carry. He's going to want to carry a Blaze Olive. He's, uh, like you said, on Golden Guardians. He was pretty decent. He can definitely take over a game on a good day. But that's also Revenge's style. And I think it's even Kenvi's style, too. So my issue with this team is I see four players who will all probably want to carry at the very least and think that they're all capable of doing it, but none of them are super impressive in their roles to where opponents like, yeah, like I definitely feel comfortable with any one of these guys doing it. I don't feel comfortable with most of those guys doing it. I don't think that it's just going to work out too well in terms of a play style unless someone at least one of them is willing to make a sacrifice. Revenge has been known for more of his carry styles of champs, and he's been in the league for a while now. I'd still love to see him do well. I definitely think that he was promising coming up, but we just haven't seen the growth yet to make me feel comfortable. Like, yeah, like I still believe in this guy to really become a top player for his role in the region, let alone like just in in the the grand the grand scheme of the west as a whole a big barrier as well is the fact that immortals as an organization doesn't seem to be striving to be the best as much as they might have been when the when they entered the lec or lcs my bad so there there are kind of barriers in place there i'd say but i think at the same time there is potential yeah it would have been nice to see a team like them like spend a little bit or you know take advantage maybe of these lesser salaries and try to get someone in that's maybe a little bit more notable and i guess maybe you could say maybe a blaze olive was like their their, their target because i do think that he is probably their best player on the team but yeah there's just not a lot there that i like i looked at fleshy's games uh, i watched about four or five of his games too that's kind of what i did for most of these players pick about four games try to get like a somewhat of an idea maybe of who they are as a player i didn't really get impressed by fleshy that much i don't think that he's probably worth the import slot whereas most of these other guys coming into the league i think probably are he was the only one where it's like yeah i don't really like he probably could have just got in a resident support that probably will have a similar skill set to right now and the the ceiling of them probably wouldn't be too much lower than what fleshy has so i'm just not really moved by that roster at all but maybe they can surprise us and maybe revenge finally takes that step that we've been expecting for him from a couple years now so going to a team that did actually make some decent sized moves is going to be dignitas they ended up making a big move to bring in jensen from cloud nine Definitely a big surprise there, and that was announced. And along with that, they're reuniting him with Santorin in the jungle. Armut will be coming in from Mad Lions in Europe as well to man the top side of the map. And then Spawn will be their new AD carry. He was with their academy team last year, stepped in for the last few weeks of LCS. And then Ignar was brought in for the support position. So I think it was really cool that they were actually able to land a couple of the bigger free agents out there like Santorin and Jensen. That definitely gives them a strong mid-jungle duo that has the experience and that has the experience in the scene as a whole, but also they have synergy with each other from dating back to Team Liquid. So that can definitely be a strong point for them. And that's probably how I would expect them play through the, the team, kind of focusing on that mid-jungle duo. Armut coming in from Mad Lions. The reviews on Armut last year were not that great, to, to put it nicely. 
the gnar one trick memes were a plenty with him and watching his games especially in the playoffs i mean just a big letdown i remember him coming in and there was a lot of excitement he was doing pretty good the first year i'm pretty sure and just not a lot to be proud of from him especially in the playoffs and that was mad as a whole the guy that i'm most intrigued to watch though is spawn just because i feel like that's a spot where if you get a different ad carry in there like i feel a lot more confident about the team i spawn killed it in academy like a lot of these guys do obviously to get promoted he killed it in academy a lot of great games he had a brief stint in the lcs didn't really have a lot of of great moments i don't think he was necessarily bad but just not impressive and that could obviously just be attributed to dignitas not being good that last year could definitely just be that and maybe now with a better environment some more some more how would i say it competent teammates around him then maybe there's some some potential there for him to be decent but i think at the end of the day it's going to be a mid jungle kind of thing and i think they'll end up being probably middle of the pack yeah i agree where santorin and jensen i think are the two on paper, very strong players on this roster. They might not have been standouts on their previous rosters, but they were pretty good. And I think out of the two, I'd say more potential in Centaurin, personally speaking, where Jensen feels like he's more on the downslope or headed towards retirement kind of thing. Still potential, but not quite at that level. To me, Spawn seems like, if I'm being completely honest, might have been a pick for lack of choice to a certain extent where he is promoted from the Dig Academy, so they kind of had that connection already. That team, although he might have had individual good performances, the team was consistently around fifth place in that Academy League. I don't know. Could be good in a better team environment like this one, or it could be underwhelming. I'm not sure. As you kind of said, I'm curious about what Armut's going to look like. Is he going to be able to break out of that Nor one trick status in this new environment, new region? It's kind of hard to tell since in his last bit of appearance in Worlds, he was kind of turbo stomped, to be honest, three games in a row by Impact. At least at the top level of the LCS, I don't think he's going to be quite there out of the gate, but I'm hoping to see more development out of him. Yeah, I think the easiest thing to talk about you know, in terms of the spawn situation, again, it's like if you, if you could have gotten double lift, right? Like you put double lift in there. Yeah, of course, it looks a lot better. But I doubt double lift would have wanted to go to a team like Dignitas. I'm um, just, you know, assuming that either maybe he knew like maybe Jensen was coming in in Santorum. Maybe he didn't want to work with them. You know, because I know he, I think he was with Jensen before on Team Liquid. Maybe there was just some some bad blood there. Maybe just didn't consider them at all. But that, that's the kind of guy where it's like, yeah, if you get double lift, if you can steal a crazy import from somewhere... It's a lot nicer of a team. I think, if, like I said, if they could shore up that position, I'm a bit more confident in them. But with what they got right now, it's probably just, you know, a, a decent roster. Good to see them finally get some decent names in there and try to get some respect back as an org. But I think they're going to end up a little bit short, especially with some of the the moves that were made with other teams, like 100 Thieves, who did pick up Double Left, bringing him in, reuniting him with Bjergsen, who's going to be their new mid laner. Tenacity, a lot of hype around this guy from a couple years ago for sure. Finally getting to break through in the top lane, replacing Someday. And then Busio as their new support closer, the mainstay in the jungle. The only guy on the team from the last year's LCS roster to stick around. Bean, your thoughts on these storied players coming in with these newer rookies? 
Yeah, so I love assigning labels. And to me, that this is the closest thing to what we're going to get for a 2023 NA Super Team, where you've got these big names in Bjergsen and Doublelift, very storied pairing in TSM in the past. To me, I think I'm going to focus especially hard on Closer Bjergsen as something I'm very excited for, where on paper, I think that their two play styles should be great synergy if they can get that synergy built. Closer is kind of like the hyper carry guy. He's known for something like Viego, where he gets a really early kill, double kill or something like that, starts snowballing completely out of control. And then Bjergsen, in this part of his career, seems to favor more of like a supportive play style with Zillion, Galio, that type of champion. You look at his Akali games, for example, they weren't quite at that level. Pairing these two in that sense, where Closer is going to come mid, pick up a kill with Bjergsen's help, and then have them start roaming around, kind of like Elioianiski and the LEC, then they can roam around and then start playing off of their, what I expect to be, really powerful side lanes. So double lift. Do I really need to say more? Probably the most storied AD carry in the league's history. And then you've got Tenacity, who's kind of been on the rise in Academy, I think. He's finally now getting his shot. A lot of people have been excited about that. And he loves his carry champs from what I've seen. So like a Fiora, like a Kale, like an Aatrox, even crazy stuff like a Silas or a Yasuo here or there. So structurally speaking, I think on paper, this team, if they can build up that personal relationship and start playing off each other, has huge potential, potential title contenders. Yeah, the thing that I'm most excited for with the roster is actually tenacity, I think, because I agree with what you said about Bjergsen probably will be stepping into more of a utility mid laner kind of role. I doubt that at this point in his career, especially with double coming back, that he's going to demand to be the guy to, to carry the games. But as you mentioned, you are absolutely right. Tenacity came up as kind of in that revenge style, carry, carry, top laner. Absolutely his wheelhouse. And he's been a name that has been in the academy scene for a couple years now. Last year, he was actually supposed to be, according to what 100 Thieves had uh, announced at the start of Spring Split, it was supposed to be a six-man roster with Tenacity and Someday splitting time. I think the only thing that actually happened with Tenacity is that I think he got like a couple games in lock-in maybe. And then he was never played again. They just kept out rolling with someday top lane. So I'm very excited to finally see him on the LCS stage and see what he's going to step into. And again, one of these teams where it's like, hey, you know what? Are they actually going to enable this young carry player to be that kind of a threat in the top lane? Because you have Dublin as your main guy, who obviously, again, if he's great, then the team will probably have uh, championship potential. But are they going to limit tenacity in what he does to be more of a tank player? Or are they going to let him play carries, but they're not going to go his way maybe with closer, just going to kind of let him command the 1v1 and see if he can create an advantage on his own? Because I think he definitely can be a carry threat from the lane. But when you're on a top team like this, or at least what should be a top team like this, and you got double lift on your team, I don't know how that relationship is going to work out in terms of actually seeing what he can do. I think at the very least, if Bjergsen does stick into that more supportive mid laner role, there's more of a chance for him. So I hope that that kind of is what happens. Because I'd love to see what this guy has and see what he can do against some of these great top laners in the league, like Fudge, like Summit, like Impact. There's going to be a lot of good 1v1s up there and potential for him to pop off if he's really this good. 
It's funny you should say that because I think that he has the potential to be like Fudge was, where he rises up from Academy, might not have the best of starts in lock-in, but then really pulls through and becomes almost the face of the org. I'm really excited for him. The thing that I'm probably more interested in even maybe so than Tenacity is Busio because he was great in Academy. He can play the Enchanters. He can play the Engaged Tanks. Can he step up to play with Doublelift? Because that's going to be a huge jump up coming from some of the guys he's working with in Academy. The demand from Doublelift is going to be a lot greater than it was down there. I hope he can step up to Doublelift's level because this could be a championship winning roster. But there's these two rookies that are going to be coming in with a lot of pressure on them. So if they can step up to it, I think it'll be a pretty good team as long as Doublelift doesn't boom. Okay, so Golden Guardians next is going to be a team that is another one of those teams where it's just like, you know, you wish that they would have done more. I do like the one big move that they made. They have Licorice Top Lane still, River who was acquired, I think, midway through summer last year, Gory in the mid lane, Stixay retaining as ADC, and then Huhi in for Ole at support. I think that the biggest thing that I want to talk about is Gory, but I'll let you take this one uh, first, Bean, because I know that you said you had some more thoughts on them. Yeah, so... Again, I'm going to slap another label on here that's completely unwarranted. I'm going to dub this team the Fall from Grace Personified, where you've got you've got your Licorice in the top lane. He used to be one of the best top laners with C9, was replaced with Fudge, and has since pretty much fallen off. You've got Gori, which has won the player of the split in his debut LCK split with Nongshim Red Force, then was subbed out after two months of playing on FPX, and then was the first PSG talent mid in history to fail to qualify for international tournaments since the PCS was formed. Then you've got your River, who was the jungler for PSG talent, and they rampaged in the PCS while he was there, but then he had disappointing splits for Dignitas and Golden Guardians. Stixay, another one. He's probably the most washed LCS ADC yeah, he's still Yeah, they, they, they gotta get rid of him. They gotta exactly. get rid of him. Exactly. <laughs> like, he hasn't seen success since the CLG glory days back in 1617. And Huhi, similar story, was once a great mid laner for the exact same CLG roster known for his Aurelian Soul. Although he won a title as a support with 100 Thieves, I'd argue he was by far the weakest player on that roster. Where is the personality on this team? Where is the carry? I just don't see it. It's going to be gory. like, And I, I know that's what the sentiment has changed on gory, right? He was so hyped when he was in Korea. I don't know if you want to call it a downgrade, but he went to the LPL, didn't last long. Then he definitely downgrades into the PCS, and now he's here in NA. The one thing I do, I do want to defend gory here, because watching his games on the PCS, he still has... You know, a lot of the criticisms, they're still warranted. He is far from the player that you probably would have assumed him to have been in the LPL, in the LCK where he debuted. But for the for that league, he was very, very good still. Watching a lot of the games still and looking at his score lines, he was still dominant there. He missed out on Worlds, and that's what I think was the only reason that he got booted, was the last two games that he played in the the playoffs to qualify to Worlds, they were very bad games, especially game five. That, that, That was horrible. He got picked and was just out of it for so long. He got focused. I think he got ganked twice really early on in the lane, just could never recover, getting picked in fights. It was not pretty. But 95, I'd say, percent of the games in the PCS were really good. So I'm still looking at him to come here and be the bright spot on this team. 
because you, you know it's not going to be Stick Say. You know it's not going to be Licorice. No offense, Licorice, I still love you from C9. It's going to be him. It has to be him. It quite literally has to be him. Because if it's not him, they will be the 10th place teams. They don't have anyone else to go through. So I hope for their sake, either Gory, at the very at the very least, if he can perform like he did in the PCS for, like I said, about 90, 95% of the split, Golden Guardians will not be a bottom two team in the league. Unlike Immortals, who have seemed to given up, I think that Golden Guardians is like a low-budget team that is trying. So if Gory can pull through, I would love to see this team succeed. They're, they're, they're just trying in mid lane. Like, I, I can't say that they're trying with that bot lane. Oh, no. <laughs> like, like, like I, I'm disrespecting Huki a little bit there because he's, he's far from the worst support in the league. But it's like, there, there had to have been better options than, than Stick Say that we're willing to play with you. Like, maybe there wasn't, but like, I, I would have went with just some, some younger guy. Like, he's been in the league for so long and he hasn't been able to just do anything at all to impress anyone i think basically since those those clg days where they were really good it's just it's about time for him to be out it's like there's there's got to be a younger guy out there that's that's more worth it even just for the upside like they're probably not going to be like stick says a fine bottom tier guy who will be just kind of a rock there you shouldn't want a bottom tier rock you know you want at least a <laughs> mid-tier rock a bottom tier rock is just like that little kind of pebble you'll find on the side of like a river or something like that you know hopefully they can get an upgrade there going into summer maybe because especially if i'm telling you if gory's good I really want to see them do something. If if Gory kills it, oh, okay. Anyway, I'll, I'll digress from him. I'm really excited to watch him play. Moral of the story: get a better rock. Get a better rock. Yes, mid tier rock. Like get a nice, decent size rock. Not Stixay. Yeah. Speaking of Stixay's former team, Counterlogic Gaming, the least exciting off season, and probably uh, I was going to say it's my most disappointing off season, but I can't quite say that. But one of my most disappointing off seasons. They're running back the same roster. Obviously, going in from last year, they actually did pretty good. I think that the expectations for that team were still really low going into last year, but they overperformed in summer. I shouldn't say they overperformed. They played really well in summer, and they got into the playoffs, and there's a lot of hype around the roster still because they're running it back. There was rumored to be some changes coming in, but there was never any specifics about what it might have been. Here they are. They ended up sticking with the same five guys. Dokla in the top lane, Contracts Jungle, Palafox mid, aka Palafaker, Luger in Poom bot lane. I think the only real person that I love on this team is Luger, and I'm really surprised that they didn't make any changes. Yeah, I mean, I think you were kind of on the right track there where maybe not overperformed, but they definitely overperformed expectations. Fourth place yeah. finish in the regular season was something I don't think anybody saw coming. CLG up to that point had been like a ninth, 10th place team really. There were there speaking. were talks from fans wanting them to get relegated. Yeah. Like I, I think some of it was probably a joke, don't get me wrong, but it's like relegation is not a thing anymore. People were wanting to see CLG relegated because they were just so bad for so long. And they brought in this roster of washed up guys at the time, you know, assumed to be washed up, Dokla in contracts. Palafox had some promise, Luger was hyped, and then Poom had some time with 100 Thieves. You know, it's like, but hey, like you said, credit to them, they did good finally. Yeah. And. To me, they're kind of along the same track as Immortals, but maybe in a better standing where I want to see them use Spring Split with the same roster as kind of like a testing ground and see who really sticks and then potentially polish the roster in the summer. So maybe you've got Dokla as your old reliable top laner. 
He's been around for a while. He's not necessarily the greatest, but I think he does his job. Contracts, you need a better rock in top lane. Yeah, better rock there too. Contracts. He's got a unique play style that's really remarkable. I think he loves his assassins and general kind of like aggressive play style. So maybe that pulls through and you want to keep him around. Luger, same thing. He might break his limit and become that big name carry that really brings this roster to the, to the top. So if they can use Spring to really test out who's working, who isn't, make one or two more changes in the summer to polish that roster, I don't think it's entirely impossible that they at least contest a world spot. I'm going to put that out there. If, if they get anywhere near worlds, like unless they really overhaul the roster, like it was a miracle. Like I'm, I, I want to see it. Good. I think I think there's potential. I'm just I'm going to say there's potential, but who knows? No, like it, like and, and to be fair, that's not even me dissing CLG as much as just looking at some of the other teams in the league. And it's like, no, there's just no way, especially with only three spots. It's not going to happen. Luger is the one guy who's like, yeah, like like this, this is a guy who you can probably build around for the team and have him be the focal point of a good North American team. Internationally, that's obviously a different story depending on what you want to look at. But North America, he's a quality player. Dokla, like I said, you need a you need a, a better rock in the top lane than than Dokla. No offense to Dokla. Contracts is cool, but it's like they, they need to do something because I I don't see them being able to contend with this group. They need they need to make a change for summer. I'm sure they will. Um, again, unless I, I will say this year, if they make it into like you know top three, top four, then they definitely overperformed unless like one of these teams at the top like you know your c9s your team liquids your hundred thieves really crashes and burns that i'm looking forward to summer for clg that, that that's really what i'm hoping for because there is some some potential there but it really needs a facelift i think i think it's not as much again not as discrediting them but a lot of the league got better so i yeah. think clg is probably just falling behind by not doing anything I can agree with that. Now we're on to the last team for the LCS in spring. This is the team. I've moved them here last. I was going to talk about them earlier, but I moved them here to last. This is my favorite to win it all, FlyQuest. They brought in Impact top lane. They're going to have Spika in the jungle coming in from TSM. Vikla coming from KT Rolster in Korea to be the mid laner. Prince from Live Sandbox in Korea to be the AD carry. And Ayla, the third guy from Team Liquid Academy. I love this team. I love what this team can be. This is going to be a team that is for sure, undoubtedly one of, if not the favorite to win the LCS this year. First off, I love the upgrade. Like they just they just facelifted the entire roster. Like this is what I would have loved to have seen CLG do in some type of way. Again, you want to keep Luger around, that's cool. But impact from Philip, Spica from Jose Diodo. Takui was actually pretty nice in summer, especially uh, last year. I liked Takui, but Vickla's a huge upgrade over Takui. Prince from Johnson? Are you kidding me? And then Ayla for Afromoo is probably like the closest comparable thing, but I'd still rate Ayla higher than, higher than Afromoo. You, you brought in two just stellar, stellar players from Korea. If you watched Korea last year, they, they weren't teams, uh, KT Rolster and Live Sandbox, that ever got too dominant. But my goodness, did these guys stand out playing for them? Prince, especially, if you look at his games, you just look, just look at it. You don't even have to look at his stats. Just look at the dude's stat lines. Look at his KDA. 
dude was an absolute freak. He won co-player of the summer split uh, with Ruler for most player of the game awards over there. It, it was just it was just nut stuff. His spacing was great. He knows how to play champions. He's super impressive mechanically. There was a play that I watched specifically where they were getting dove uh, bot lane by the opponent. And he was on, I forget what champion was, maybe it was Draven or something like that. But he ended up flashing uh, the Blitzhook. And then at the same time, as Blitzhook coming out, Wukong's coming in from his uh, invisible with the, with the clone, and he's appearing. So not only is he able to flash the Blitzhook, but he flashes to like precisely the right spot where there's just enough time for him to react and dodge away with like one click from the Wukong ult and stay at the edge of the ult, kite it out, and survive the dive. And I think they got the kill in that as well. Dude has the mechanics, he has the hands, Vikla does as well. He knows what to do with his champions. He plays the Talia really good. He plays those control mages really well. He has convicting engages on Silas going for picks and stuff like that. Both of those guys have huge big play potential and enter into the league as at the very least top three in their roles. I don't see a world where, again, unless it's like regional factors, maybe they don't acclimatize well. And then the only thing I could maybe criticize coming in was Ayla. But watching Ayla play in Academy, dude was a beast there too. He, I mentioned it before, Harry and Jan, I think they'll be good, but I'm not like super fans of them. Ayla, I really loved watching. His Renata especially was so clean. So many great ults, so many great disengages on the enchanters. He can play the tanks as well. I, I, I just don't see a way, barring again that cultural difference, that they finish anywhere below top two. Or I'd say I'd say top three for sure, but probably top two. I love the passion, man. Like FlyQuest is gonna be great. They're gonna I, be great. I can agree with you there. Like when I was looking at this, I think this roster is good enough to bring them back to that form they had in 2020 where they came second to TSM, but they looked so good. Like, I agree. Impact, potentially the best top laner, existing top laner in the league. Ayla had that strong performance in the TL Academy and also looked great in the 2022 lock-in. I think, if memory serves, he started more often than... Are you talking about uh, their bot lane? Yeah, Yon. Yon, Yon. there you go. Mm -hmm. Brain fart. Anyways, I think that he was he started more. He had a very good performance there while Core JJ was settling that green card issue. Spika, super happy for him to finally have a real team. He's free of the TSM shackles. Memes on Twitter. I mean, this guy is great. I love him. Vikla seems to be potentially a mid-tier uh, Korean mid, but historically speaking, that'll make him really good in NA. KT Rolster his whole career, and then they only dropped in, in the end to DRX, which, like realistically speaking, those are the world champs. It doesn't yeah. get better than that. Prince Vikla won Rookie of the Year in, in Korea, so he, he's obviously got promise. There you go. And Prince, same thing. They also, people thought that Live Sandbox should have been at Worlds, but they lost 3-2 to DRX, the world champions. Like, these are two players that I agree, super hyped for, and then bringing those existing NA players around them, I can't agree any possibly more that this team should do really well. Yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be nuts. Like... <sighs> I, I, I can't overstate the the excitement from from Prince especially watching Prince play in 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 Korea and just watching him dominate like so many games was was super super cool. He really bursted onto the scene, and that, that that's definitely going to be just just really super cool. Because I think the best part about it is when you're probably building a League of Legends team in like we'll say a traditional sense, 
this is probably what you would want from it. You have a nice, solid rock. That That's your rock, right? Like impact. That's your rock in the top lane. He is so consistent with, with whatever champ you're going to put him on. He's a great tank player. He'll, he'll, he can bust out a carry, sure, but you don't really ever need him to, nor would I guess you would probably not want him to. But he, he's your rock. That That's what you want instead of Stixay or someone like that, or Doke like we were talking about with CLG. That's your guy. Spika, that's your guy in the jungle. He was a star on TSM. Now he doesn't, he doesn't have to be a star here. You know, he, he, he can fit in whatever role is asked of him. And I'm sure he'll be open to doing that on a team with as much talent as FlyQuest will have. And then Ayla coming in support again. A rookie, maybe, you know, slight concern he's a rookie. Can he step up? Kind of uh, same with Busio with Doublelift. Can Ayla step up with a guy like Prince who dominated in Korea really, really consistently? But, you know, that, that that's a role player right there who can do his job. And I have confidence that he can do his job watching him play in Academy. And then you have your... your true carries in the mid and 80 c role those are the guys that you know you're going to be playing through every single game you can pick one or the other so you're not like solely focused on you know prince like maybe with c9 right is diplex going to be a crazy carry maybe he can it's going to be his first season he's not coming over from a uh, uh, historically great region like Korea, like China. He can probably be good. Blabber makes a little bit of a different story, but you can argue the the skill gap from him to speak is not too crazy. But you know you're playing through either one of Prince or Vikla. And you can rotate that up however you want. Both of those guys can confidently step in and fit like, again, sort of this more traditional thing of what you would expect from a League of Legends team. And it's going to be so much fun to watch. And they got Papa Smithy there to help man it all. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. Couldn't have put it better myself. And on that fine note, we'd like to thank you all for sticking around to the very end. The LCS has definitely been shaken up one way or another, and we're hoping it's for the better. Reach out to us on our socials, links in the description, and tell us how you think the LCS will play out this year. Make sure to follow the No Rival Network on Spotify and catch us next time, where we'll power rank both the LCS and the LEC. That'll do it for today. See you soon.